0: Hello and welcome to Radical Candor, a podcast from Panoply and Gretchen Rubin's Onward Project about how not to hate the boss you have or be the boss you hate. I'm Kim Scott, co-founder of Candor, Inc., former executive at Google and Apple, former CEO, coach, and the author of Radical Candor.
1: And I'm Russ Laraway, also co-founder of Candor, Inc., and career-long operational manager across the Marines, Google, and Twitter. So, Kim... This is our last episode of season one of the Radical Candor podcast.
0: Very sad. It
1: is. It is sad. And it's been a blast. And listeners, we know that this is the first time you're hearing this, and we apologize for that. Uh, We're going to really make this episode count, though. And then we'll say a bit more about ending the season at the end of this episode. Okay, so now on to the episode. Let's do it. For today's episode, I think it's pretty important for us to start off with a quick recap of the purpose of feedback. And we break feedback down into two big parts, praise and criticism. And they have different purposes, right? The purpose of praise is to help people know what success looks like, to communicate explicitly to people what is valued and to give them an opportunity to repeat success. It is not, not there to help people feel good. No. The purpose of criticism is to help people know what to do better. Right. And in both cases, we're talking about praise and criticism of work and behaviors. Yeah. So just to set the stage here, here's the thing. When you think about those two purposes of praise and the purpose of criticism. You
0: know, you can kind of think about it like getting your back scratched. Like if you have an itch in your back, you got to tell somebody, no, 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 not there. Yes, 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 there, right? It's just dumb (laughs) luck if you don't use both the no's and the yes's. If they ever find that place to scratch your back.
1: Yeah, that is a excellent metaphor. (laughs) Um, And here's the thing. And by the way, your metaphor continues to work for the point that I'm making, which is feedback helps people to find more success. Find
0: that place where it's it's itchy.
1: Either repeat it. When they've done it already, or get there when they haven't. And I'm a part of a team. The more success my team has, the more success I have. And so when you put this all together, to me, it seems absolutely bonkers, bonkers to think that it's only the manager's job to give feedback to someone. I think it's everyone's job. And I think that when peers are giving each other feedback, I think it has much higher leverage in an organization even than when managers do it.
0: Way higher leverage because there's a lot more peers than there are managers, right? So today we're going to talk about how to give feedback to your peers or to other people who don't report directly to you. Along the way, we're going to share three things. First of all, some stories about times we've seen peer-to-peer feedback have a huge impact.
1: We'll answer a listener question about a story of peer feedback gone wrong
0: And we'll wrap up, as always, with our specific tips for giving feedback to peers in the Candor Checklist.
1: All right, let's jump in.
0: So I've seen some really great systems that actually encourage people to give each other praise and criticism. Such as? Such as one of my favorite ones was just the stuffed animal, the big, giant, stuffed golden retriever that we used to bring to our all-hands meeting at Google. And the idea of the stuffed animal was that people would raise their hand and tell stories about remarkable work or collaboration or somebody just going above and beyond in some way, shape, or form on the team. And it created kind of a stage for people to praise each other. So it didn't feel awkward. It, it If you... Sit around just waiting for people to raise their hand at the end of a hundred person all hands meeting and say something great about somebody else. It's not going to happen. We had to kind of create a little theater yeah. around it.
1: How did the stuffed dog work in, in all of this?
0: So what we did, as you recall, we'd bring the stuffed dog up to the, up to the microphone and we'd say, who saw somebody on the team do something remarkable this week? Stand up and tell the story. And People would start telling stories about each other and people would clap at the end. And whoever got the loudest clapping would get the stuffed dog. The person
1: who did the great thing would get to hold on to the stuffed dog for the week.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: Cool. What about the pure bonus system at Google?
0: Now, this is a little bit more expensive, but it's one of the most popular programs at Google. So if you see somebody do something remarkable at Google – you can nominate them for a peer bonus of up to, I think, $100. And an email gets fired off to the person's manager. If the manager doesn't say no in 24 hours, the person gets the 100 bucks. So in other words, again, there's, there's a bias to yes in the system. The manager is informed. The manager has a little bit of time to say, no, this person's actually not so remarkable uh, or that thing wasn't so great. So there's a little bit of sort of common sense checks and balances. But it's really, the the idea is that this is a way to thank people. And I've seen all kinds of peer bonuses. Sometimes the person who's in charge of fixing computers will get a lot of peer bonuses because they go above and beyond. You know, I saw people get a peer bonus for stopping to help somebody who tripped and fell. I mean, just random things. But it's just a way to... Give some appreciation. I think the more important thing is the stories they get told. But part of the reason why people take the time to tell the stories is because they know there's a monetary benefit for the person on the other end.
1: Yeah, it's a very powerful program. And those are great examples. And I think really drive home the point that praise between peers can be extremely powerful. But I have a story about criticism between peers making a big difference for me personally. Mm -hmm. And I have to set a little bit of context for this, which is we were working, we were at Google and we were working with an external consultant. And as a part of this engagement, all of us had to take an inventory assessment. It was actually, I think, called the LSI assessment. And basically the output of this was you were put on like a graph and you were your behaviors were categorized around basically there are three kinds of behaviors you you were demonstrating to the people around you. There were more passive behaviors, which showed up as green on this assessment, right? And and the passive behaviors were considered destructive. There were aggressive behaviors, which showed up as red on this readout. And they were also considered destructive. And then there were the high quality behaviors, which showed up as blue, right? And so what you really wanted was a, a nice blue circle to show up, right? And so I got mine back. This is early in my tenure at Google, and it was super green. I was seen as being a more passive type person, and I didn't understand it. But yeah, I
0: yeah, it's surprising because you're not a passive kind of person.
1: Yeah, exactly. So this is the first. First of all, this is actually a really important step because now my consciousness is starting to be raised that I'm being perceived differently than I perceive myself, which is really important. And basically, what I learned was that from the perspective of more than one person I was working with very closely, they actually saw me as some version of unambitious. Really. Yeah. And that's a bad thing to be in, I think, a lot of places, but certainly it was a bad thing to be at Google and certainly within the group that I was working closely with. And this was very confusing for me because I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like reviewing my career. I'm like, there's no evidence here.
0: Of you being passive or unambitious.
1: But the fact is that people i was working very closely with had seen me that way it actually had a lot to do with my decision to manifest my sense of humor just a little bit too frequently making it seem like i'm not taking things seriously that's Mm -hmm. if i had to really put you know a very fine point on it anyway i was able to adjust some small behaviors very quickly once I was exposed to this perception. And of course, remember, the problem with a perception is it can become a reputation very quickly. A reputation can affect things that you care about down the line. Big job comes up. Maybe you don't get it because you're seen as more of a passive, unambitious kind of person who won't take it seriously, right? Yeah. Stuff can matter. Uh, the long and short of all of this was I worked hard to address the perception before mm-hmm. it became a reputation, got really lucky just maybe six or nine months later, we took that assessment again. Yes. Roughly same people, all blue.
0: Totally different.
1: All blue. And it was extremely valuable to me to have gotten that feedback from my peers to allow me to address a perception gap that if gone unchecked, could have affected me in a negative way. Could in have the hurt long your career there. at Google. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So great reason why your peers were willing to tell you some stuff. Not everybody would have done that for you. So this is a great example of why it's really helpful as a peer to give great feedback.
1: So these are just a couple ideas of how to get peer-to-peer feedback going on a team. Peer-to-peer, you know, the point is it holds for anyone that's not like a manager to direct report relationship, right? The definition of a peer can be very, very broad and nonspecific. The key is That the more feedback between people on a team, the more success that team is likely to have.
0: Coming up, we answer a listener question about a peer feedback situation gone wrong. But first, a word from our sponsor.
1: We recently had someone write into us with a scenario from earlier in their career that they still think about now and wonder how it could have gone better. It's just a little bit of a warning for us, a little bit of a long question, but we're going to give it to you exactly as we got it. It's a good one. Yeah. I was a senior manager at a small company working on an important project for a key client. One member of our leadership team, someone who was one level junior to me. Parenthetical, though we rarely made that distinction internally, end parenthesis, was on a different page than me about what and how to deliver for our client. After challenging him directly on the matter, I eventually went to his boss, my peer, and asked for intervention. I needed help and this guy was locked in on his own point of view, and the project was not moving forward appropriately. Soon after talking to his boss, I left town on vacation and while en route, received a scathing call from the person with whom I was having this difficulty. He was vicious on the phone, made personal remarks, cursed, and went way out of line in his treatment of me. I was shocked and hurt, but also sorry. Sorry because clearly I had miscalculated his response to my escalation of the issue. It took months to resolve the rift. Frankly, the damage done there never fully healed, in my opinion. And I spent most of my vacation researching how to own something in a way that would honor his feelings and get us to a better place as coworkers, but that would not dishonor my own personal and professional boundaries, which he had so clearly violated.
0: This is such a hard situation.
1: I, I think it's, it is, and I think it's really important because I think when we talked a little bit earlier about why don't peers give feedback, well, this is why. <laughs> Yeah. Right. You're making a risk calculation of upside versus downside, upside versus downside. And I think people really worry about this kind of reaction when they give someone, especially criticism, right? Yes.
0: It's important if you have that worry to think about the other danger, which is if you don't give the peer feedback, it can fester. that's also going to hurt your relationship just as much as an explosion. But there's one key principle that we learned, Russ, you and I, from Fred Kaufman, who is our coach at Google. And he called this clean escalation. So one of the things that you can do to make sure that when you're giving a peer feedback and you're not able to resolve whatever the situation is, that if you escalate, you escalate together. You escalate with that person. You don't go to the person's boss behind the person's back because it's really hard for someone to appreciate feedback that you give to their boss behind their back.
1: There's a lot of things that could have gone wrong here, but that's the big catalyst to everything that went wrong was that this person got surprised. And, you know, we talk to a lot of people about this stuff, but one of the very simple tests I offer people is this if you are talking about someone, and not to someone, you are operating in manipulative insincerity. That's Lo- exactly right. Low challenge directly, low care personally. You've got to talk to the person first, and even if it's about your intention to escalate.
0: So this listener did that. This listener did talk to her peer before she escalated to the boss. But so not she-
1: about the escalation. That was the, yes. Point, right?
0: Yes, Exactly. But she didn't tell her peer, look, I disagree, and we need your boss to help us resolve this situation. So if you can't work it out, meet together and ask the boss to mediate. What do you do if you have different bosses?
1: So there's two people, they disagree, they each have a different boss. The next step for a clean escalation is a four person meeting. So the two bosses plus the two people in the room. In theory, this can continue on up until you finally get to a common boss who can, you know, quote unquote, break a tie. I think most people realize they better figure out how to resolve it before that. But, But in theory, that's the idea is until you get to a common, you keep cleanly escalating, getting the bosses in the room until you reach a common boss.
0: Or you can just pick a boss. Okay. If something like this listener's example happened, what would you do to resolve it, Russ?
1: I think the first step trying to resolve this problem Clearly, the first step is to try to own my parts in having causing all this damage. And specifically in this case, my part is the decision to escalate to their boss behind their back. Yeah. That may or may not mean this person's going to own their part, leaving the scathing messages and, you know, and ruining really,
0: the vacation. And yeah.
1: Trampling this boundary, you know, all those jerk. things. That's in the immediate steps to resolve the issue. I am less worried about their ownership of their part, and I am extremely worried about my ownership and my part. Mm -hmm. I am hopeful that there will be an exchange here. But to start things out, I'm going to go in and own my part. Right. My experience tells me that when I do that, and I don't always do it, by the way, but when I do that, people tend to be very generous And they usually, not always, they usually will respond with some version of, well, let me own my part too. Yeah. Anyway, that's the first step. You can only control how you own your own part in this.
0: And of course, if the other person doesn't do the generous thing and say, yeah, I I overreacted, I'm sorry about the words I used or whatever, the tone of voice I used, I, I think it's important to own that that's not okay. Tell the person your behavior. I shouldn't have done that, but your response was not okay.
1: Right. Yeah. You got to work. I think you got to work your way toward that um, immediate steps to resolve. My point is just that it's important to just own your part. And there's a time later when you can, if they haven't owned their part, there's a time later we can hold them accountable for sure. And I think a second big part here in terms of starting to repair the relationship is really try to move way up on the care personally axis. Yeah,
0: so important to, to show the other person that the reason why you are having the disagreement is that you want to do better for the client, but you also want to help the other person do better work.
1: Yeah. And, and I that think,
0: you're open to being wrong. I mean, part of caring personally is showing some humility.
1: Yeah. And in all of this, what's hap- you know, in this damaged relationship, That person's feeling like you stabbed them in the back, right? And that's the opposite of caring personally. And so um, it may not be the case. It's just like we always talk about it. It's not that you actually don't care about them personally, but realize that your act in having gone behind their back to escalate to the boss makes them feel like they were stabbed in the back. Yeah. What's lower on the care personally axis than a
0: stab in the back? Than a
1: stab in the back. Um, Your job now is to climb back up that axis and really make it clear you have their back, you care about them personally, you want them to be successful, right? Right.
0: You're not trying to kick them in the shins.
1: Yeah. You're trying to help them have more success.
0: So remember, talk to people, not about people. Start by talking directly to your peer who you're having the conflict with. And if you can't come to agreement, escalate cleanly, escalate to your boss or their boss with the other person in the conversation, not behind their back.
1: Coming up, the Candor Checklist. But first, a word from our sponsor. And now it's time for the Candor Checklist. We've talked about how pure feedback can have a big impact and what happens when it goes wrong. Now let's go over a few tips for how to do it the right way. Tip number one, start by asking for feedback. Now, I realize this is pretty counterintuitive. Wait, the way to start giving feedback is by asking for feedback? Yes. Yes, that is. It is, in fact. Oftentimes, we don't fully understand exactly why that person's work looks that way or why that person's behavior looks that way. We don't know why they're doing what they're doing.
0: We may be doing something that's contributing to the very thing that's bugging
1: us. Yeah, absolutely. It is important to go in curious to try to understand what's happening, how we might be contributing, how we maybe are not being fully helpful, etc. So the first thing to do when thinking about offering someone feedback, is making sure you really understand what in the heck is happening, making sure you offer an opportunity for you to understand your role in what's happening here. The second big thing that happens when you ask for feedback is you do start to dismantle people's defenses a little bit, right? One of the reasons why it's hard to give people feedback is because we know they're probably gonna have a threat response, they're probably gonna feel a little bit defensive. And the act of asking for feedback sends a signal to the other person that you're in a spot where you're ready to hear some things, right? I mean, when you ask for feedback, we always say buckle up because some might be coming, right? right? But send the signal that you're ready to listen to what they have to say. You're ready to roll your sleeves up and do your part here.
0: And you're also kind of leading by example. You're showing them how you value feedback. You treat it as a gift and you hope that they in turn will treat your feedback as a gift. Tip number two, focus on the good stuff. You don't need to start with criticism. It's always a good idea to take a step back and remember the things you like about working with that person and to give voice to them. So offering praise immediately is really important. So get yourself in the mindset that you are going to be looking for the good things and you're going to give voice to them.
1: Yeah, I think for a lot of our listeners, if they're listening to this episode, they might be thinking about a specific acute criticism they need to give to a person right now. And it's probably worth mentioning that the tips we're giving here are really about taking a long view here and trying to square away a culture where feedback becomes much more normal and much more accessible. And so it's not about giving someone praise to get access to this acute criticism you need to offer. It's
0: about changing your mindset, about really genuinely focusing on the good stuff. You know, if you're skiing through the trees, there's, there's <laughs> a statement, <laughs> there's a suggestion, which is positive target identification. If you focus on the path through the trees, you're less likely to hit the tree. If you focus on the tree, you're more likely to hit the tree, ironically. So sometimes focusing on the good stuff is a way to move forward.
1: Yeah. Tip number three, be helpful. I know this sounds maybe a little bit obvious, but you've really got to sanitize your thinking. And this is especially in the case of criticism, right? You've really got to sanitize your thinking. If you're going to this conversation with any version of shin kicking in mind, which things like, I told you so, and I'm trying to win an argument and be right, or worse, I really want to hurt this person, or I want to snap this person into... Yeah, these are bad ideas to kind of go in with, right? Sanitize your thinking. Figure out your objective, right? An objective that is about being helpful, an objective that helps this person find more success. Right. And I think it can actually be very useful to flag your intent. And a way that a way that I've offered people to do this in the past is to say something like listen, I've got a little bit of feedback to give you right now. And it's actually, it might be hard to hear. It's certainly hard for me to say, but I think I really need to do it because I care. And my sole objective here is to have a conversation with you that I think can help you have more success. Are you game?
0: Very few people will say, no, I'm not game. Some will, but very few.
1: Yeah, some will. And if they do, by the way.
0: Don't waste your breath.
1: Don't waste your breath. That's a little bit of a problem. But most people say, yeah, I'm game. Let's talk about that.
0: Tip number four, don't make it about personality. Remember, the purpose of criticism is to help people fix something, to help people find more success. It's really hard to change your personality. So if you say to somebody, look, the problem here is that you're so stupid, like they can't change, A, it's probably not true, and B, even if it is true, they can't change it. It's going to just feel like an attack. When you praise somebody, it can sound really patronizing if you praise their personality. Oh, you're such a genius. A, you probably don't mean that. And B, it just sounds doesn't sound sincere. And furthermore, it's hard to repeat that success if all you say is you're such a genius. So remember, give both praise and criticism about things that somebody can either repeat or change.
1: Yeah, that's well said. So to summarize... Tip number one, start by asking for feedback. Tip number two, focus on the good stuff. Tip number three, be helpful and flag your intention to do so.
0: Tip number four, don't praise or criticize personality.
1: These tips are also listed in the show notes for this episode at radicalcandor.com slash podcast.
0: As we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, this is our last episode for the first season of the Radical Candor podcast. We have absolutely loved doing this podcast, and we're going to do more of them. Russ says it's the favorite thing he's ever done in his career. Yeah, it's true. So why would we take a break from the favorite thing that Russ has ever done in his (laughs) career? The reason is this. We were planning a Radical Candor podcast episode on focus, and we were going to talk about that, and we realized we needed to take some of our own medicine. We needed to prioritize building the software platform. And the reason why the software that we're building is so important is that we think it's a great companion to this podcast and to the book to help you really change behavior and drive radical candor on your own team and at your own company.
1: Yeah, so we're going to go make sure we nail the candor Coach, our software, and we think this will be the best way we can help people become better leaders on a daily basis, and we've got some great ideas for how the software can help with that. We have had so much fun working on the podcast and connecting with all of you listeners. Thank you so much for listening, sharing, and writing in with your challenges, questions, and stories. Um, Please keep it coming We're at podcast at radicalcandor.com I I think we've answered everyone that's written in um, And surprised the number of people along the way That's been been really fun Please continue to write in Podcast at radicalcandor.com
0: We don't have a firm date For when we're going to start Writing software is a little bit like writing a book It's hard to predict exactly How long it's going to take to get it right But we will We will be back
1: But in our absence, please continue to help us spread the word about the show. The more people we see subscribing to the show and catching up on past episodes, the stronger the signal will be for us to come back sooner. Of course, you'll still be able to go back and revisit our previous episodes in your podcast app or radicalcandor.com slash podcast. A refresher is often very helpful.
0: To stay up to date with what we're doing at Candor Inc. with the Candor Coach... And to get other content, sign up for our email list. You can join our monthly newsletter or just sign up for a notification when the podcast returns. Visit RadicalCandor.com email to sign up.
1: Finally... We'll be doing a Twitter chat as a follow-up to this episode and also to the whole season. Join us on Twitter with hashtag candorchat this Friday, June 9th at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. We've got some questions posted in the show notes for this episode, and we'd also love to hear your thoughts and questions on this episode and on the season as a whole. So again, that's Friday, June 9th at 12 p.m. Pacific, hashtag Candorchat. Looking forward to seeing you there and staying connected outside of the podcast. Radical Candor is part of the Onward Project, which also includes Side Hustle School, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, and Happier in Hollywood, a brand new show that we're really enjoying. In a recent episode of Happier in Hollywood, writing partners Liz and Sarah talked to famous O.J. Simpson prosecutor Marsha Clark about what it was like to rise out of the ashes after that world-famous trial and start a career in Hollywood. Curious? Listen to Happier in Hollywood to find out.
0: And that's it for this episode and this season of Radical Candor.
1: Our producers are Kristen Meinzer and Jennifer Lai. Thanks also to Andy Bowers at Panoply and to the great Elise Lockhart at Candor, Inc.
0: Our theme song is written and performed by Cliff Goldmacher. I'm Kim Scott.
1: And I'm Russ Laraway. Thanks again for listening.
0: And we'll be back. <laughs>